Uh, smoking is not good for you, and has been deemed that anything not good for you is bad, hence illegal. Alcohol, caffeine, contact sports, meat. Are you me? John Spartan, you are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. Hey there, enthusiasts. Welcome back to Hero Talk. I am your host, Judge Greg. Joining me today, I have Nick. Nick, welcome to Hero Talk. Hey, Jeff. Uh, I got my list this time. I've been playing Rogue Legacy, Counter Spy, Papo and Yo, Dishonored, The Unfinished uh, Swan, Hohokam, um, Race the Sun, Cloudberry Kingdom, Milescraft, yeah. Tekken, Street Fighter 4, Kerbal Space Program, Puzzle and Dragon, Tap Titans, Plague Inc., Sky Force, Dark Souls 2, Bro Force, and The Binding of Isaac, among a bunch of other more obscure things that nobody cares about. Yeah. This is hero talk. We don't we don't really do that here. Uh, oh, damn it. You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. Uh, yeah, that's gonna cost you right there. There you go. Yeah. Damn. Well, welcome to Hero Talk, Nick. Nice to be here. Yeah. At least I got that list out somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. You like that, folks? We did a little bit of shtick for you today. Kick <laughs> off the podcast. Uh, so Nick, our um, it seems we've kind of found ourselves in this. 90s action movie schlock lately <laughs> um and so now we're, we're back with judge dread 2 this time it's not judge dread uh we're doing <laughs> <laughs> judge dread chapter zero yeah um man doing... i gotta say yeah mega, mega city one is really different it is uh yeah in, in this post-apocalyptic future uh their mega city was much cleaner well i mean it was mega city one mega city one or i'm sorry mega city two yeah mega city two west coast mega city two yeah west coast mega city two i think they said this uh san angeles was, was santa barbara what, yeah, los santa barbara, angeles LA, and san diego. san diego it's big yeah i was about to say like i didn't look at a map that's, but i kind of have a rough estimate of the geography that's of bigger Southern than California. most states yeah it's pretty huge um, that that that's it wouldn't have to it, if it were about twice the size it would get the Bay Area as well. Yeah, but that would, I mean that's th- those those places are pretty far apart from each other. But. Yes, like you, it, when you live in California, you kind of think of or, or at least from the Bay Area, you, you almost have a mental model of Los Angeles, and then if you go a little farther, you get to San Diego. Uh-huh. But no, it's like another hour. Yeah, I know. It's that city's got to be huge. Yeah. All right. So anyway, we've alluded to it. Demolition Man, uh, starring Sly Stallone and Wesley Snipes and Sandra Bullock and a bunch of other people we might talk about later. <laughs> and so this was the 1993 action movie. Uh, and as you know, Hero Talk is a spoiler podcast. We're going to consider anything officially released to be on the table and fair game. So you've been warned. Uh, so, Nick, it's kind of funny sometimes how the brain works. <laughs> And how, however many times I've seen this movie, it's it's always fascinating for me, like what what my brain will keep and what it will drop. Because when I went to watch it for for this podcast, and I just finished it like maybe two hours ago, uh, I had started it a while ago and I never quite finished. I uh, I had completely managed to erase from my memory that Rob Schneider was in this movie. <laughs> And it's then I see far him. less overt. Yeah, I see him, and I'm like, oh, no, it's another Sly Stallone Rob Schneider flick. Now, fortunately, <laughs> he's not in it very much. 
Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know if he's, he's in it at all ancillary. after the first act. Yeah, I think I think I don't know if he's in any of the group shots or if he's there like with with um the warden from Shawshank who's out there like talking to people. But um yeah, I don't I don't know if he's after the first act. But yeah, I um uh, I was a little disappointed to see that happen again. Um, this movie is about everything that I hate and love about the '90s action movies all rolled into one. Oh, so, it's it's amazing. This <laughs> this movie is such and not even just action movie wise. Like, there is so much that this is just a time capsule for the early 90s. Like, if you think about it, uh, it started off, it, it starts off in that urban war zone of Los Angeles. And because this was made in the time frame right after the Cold War, war where it felt like the United States had just one history. Yeah. And so w- what's left? This was post-Cold War, pre-terrorism. Uh, and, like, the only thing that... Uh, uh, mainstream like consciousness was scared of was was like urban violence, and yeah. so let's just crank that up to twenty. Yeah, although I gotta say the uh, very uh, look into the future about what they thought nineteen ninety six LA was gonna look like, pretty spot on. <laughs> I gotta say, pretty spot on. No, the fire on the Hollywood sign was a bit too clean, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of funny. They're like, "Oh, it's so bad. The Hollywood sign's on fire." But like, you know, no one's around it. It's, am I supposed to believe? <laughs> How long has that been burning? That nobody's doing anything, or like even near it, or I don't. I mean, it was. It's a nice shot, but yeah, it's, it was a little. Um, it over looks the top. like a set. Yeah. See, I said over the top because that was a slight Stallone thing. Ah uh, ha ha ha. Yeah. You see what I did? All right. So yeah, I'm. It's, <laughs> there's there's so I mean there's so much I love it. The funny thing is like there's so much 90s crammed into this movie <laughs> that it's it's almost like Sandra Bullock's apartment. <laughs> you know. Oh man. Yeah, that was yeah. it, that almost felt like the Tchotchke's restaurant in uh, Office Space. It did. It did. I kind of it, it's it's I got the feeling like she uh she learned how to decorate for an era from Applebee's. <laughs> and Applebee's doesn't pay me for this, folks, and they probably won't now. But Applebee's, I would totally give you like a glowing recommendation if, if you would. No, nothing. Okay. All right, so let's talk about the cast. We got John Spartan. Uh, you know, this was back in the era when they had to give these people these these ridiculous names. John Spartan. I, I guess because Hercules McHero was taken, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it, it, well, there, there's a point where it just gets so overt it's no longer in good taste. Yeah. Um, so John Spartan played by Sly Stallone. Uh, it, you know, he looks... This movie was not done that much before Judge Dredd. And a couple he, of years. Yeah, he looks so much younger in this than he did in Judge Dredd. Is it? Yeah, it's kind of... It's <laughs> striking. I know. That's, they, it immediately kind of occurred to me. He's like, he looks so young. Because we just saw him in another movie not that long ago. And he looked, you know, pretty old in that. Uh, okay. It might, might, might be like they were trying to make him look older and more beat up and... Judge Dredd. Yeah, maybe. Th- th- there could be some degree of intent there. Yeah, but uh, so he was not the first choice, actually. Um, I hear that they uh, they were originally going to have, and they were trying to come out with this movie, they wanted to be uh, Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme, but Van Damme was going to be the villain, but he wasn't going to play the villain unless Steven, he was he wanted to be the hero. I guess. It was this weird switch, yeah. like, he was going to do it, but he wanted to be the hero with Steven Seagal as the villain, and Skull didn't want to be the villain. 
And so they eventually got Sly Stallone. They tried to get Jackie Chan to play the role of Simon Phoenix. But he didn't want to play the villain either. Well, he didn't want to play the villain either. Now, he had a good reason, though. He's like, listen, yeah. I, it, in, in Asia, it's very, very off-putting to the audience there when somebody who usually plays the hero suddenly plays the uh, the villain. At least according to the sources that I've read who said what his comment was on it, I don't actually know how the Asian market reacts to that. Uh, so I'm not going to play like I'm an expert. I'm just saying that's that's the reason Jackie Chan said he didn't take it, and I have but, no reason to believe he'd lie. What's more, this is also in the time frame when Jackie Chan was just starting to get some significant exposure in the United States, and yes. if his whole thing is just, you know, he's the kind of hapless hero, mm -hmm. then having a, a movie come out that, that undercuts that right away could could have, you know, oh, hurt him later on. Yeah, I think Jackie Chan did all right for himself without being in this movie. Yeah. I mean, and and so and the role of Simon Phoenix ends up going to uh to Wesley Snipes. Who can carry himself just fine in a fight anyway. He sure can. In fact, uh I heard that for a lot of the scenes they had to have him slow down because he was kicking faster than the film could pick it up. Yep, almost like Bruce Lee. Almost like Bruce Lee. I mean, I, I love watching Snipes fight, and I, I, I kind of wish he'd got more action-y roles uh, yeah. like this. It, it just it seems like, as I look at him, like, now there's Blade, and don't get me wrong, love Blade, love Blade, but he uh, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of other stuff where he really got to sort of flex his, his fighting prowess. Yeah. And I, and I love movies where he gets to do stuff like that, so, but... Um, well, at least we got this. Yeah, we got this. And he, I mean, maybe he probably still has something in him, right? He's out of prison now, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. He uh, he went to prison for a while for not, you know, paying taxes. You gotta, you gotta pay taxes. If uh, if Al Capone couldn't get away with it, you can't. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, who who knows? I'm not gonna say it was just him. It could have been an accountant who didn't do. It. I don't know. I. I'm not here to render judgment on Wesley Slipes. I am here to say I did enjoy him as Simon Phoenix, though. No, Judge Greg is here to render judgments on the movie he's in, not him himself. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, yeah, no, I liked him as Simon Phoenix. I thought, uh, I, I thought he was interesting and, I mean, he was a little off-putting, but I kind of got the idea, like, that's what Simon Phoenix was. Like, oh, yeah. He's, he's like, he's saying jokes that only make him laugh. But it's almost, yeah. it's a little, like a little dash of the Joker in there. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely with, with getting a jokes. bit of the Joker vibe where, you know, it was it was more about the fun and the games for him yeah. almost than anything else. And that whole, you know, kill the hostages thing so they won't show up on the thermal, but then, you know, it'll, you know, get John Spartan taken down for the crime. Like, that's, that's Joker. It was a would, prank. Yeah, Joker would pull that, totally would pull that on Batman. Now, Batman would have known that they were already dead in the basement before he confronted him because, you know, John Spartan is no Batman. But then again, who is? Yeah, who is? But you know what? You know who's that close second is Dennis Leary as <laughs> Edgar Friendly. Um, probably I I know I just skipped Sandra Bullock. We'll come back to her. But I, I loved Dennis Leary in this movie, and and I haven't been able to find this. I've been looking it up. How much of that rant he does to John Spartan about the food and the scars and the Playboys and like how much of that was just they said Dennis just go. Yeah, well, I mean, it basically, it, it, it's not the same words, but it's yeah. essentially from his routine. Oh, yeah. So, so you know, it's it's almost like they got Bill Hicks on screen. Mm -hmm. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, now I didn't necessarily believe Dennis Leary as freedom fighter. No, but you can totally buy him as asshole who wouldn't, uh. Who wouldn't conform? Yeah, I, you could easily see him as the guy who's like, "No, I'm not going to live by your stupid rules." And you know what? I was I was curious about as I'm watching this movie because we didn't, unlike Judge Dredd, we really didn't get a good sense of like, so what's going on outside of this this city here? Like, 
can people leave? Are people... You know what I mean? Like, they're so confined. Now, granted, the thing is huge, so it's not like you can just hop in your car and, you know, if you get in your car and you go five hours down the road, you're in the same city, you know? But it's... I mean, what's yeah, going I, on elsewhere? Because, like, it's tr- like... Trouble in Los Angeles and a California earthquake would not cause the collapse of the United States government. Right. That's why I like to think that all of these different dystopian futures are all sharing the same world. <laughs> this really is Mega City 2. So the, uh, they all just turtled themselves into their own little geographic region yeah, and said, like, I, yeah. all right, walls up. We're not going out there anymore. <laughs> same as uh, Equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Equilibrium, I got, like, that Eastern European vibe from. So, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they all dealt with the apocalypse in their own way. Some of them made drugs so they don't have emotions. Some of them just built on top of the old city and now Taco Bell's everywhere. <laughs> This, Pizza Hut, if you're international. Pizza Hut in the European release. That's right. That's right. I just read about that. It, I actually watched that bit too. It's hysterical because they don't re they didn't re record anything on the visuals, so they just like really clumsily uh vo- like uh, uh ADR'd the dialogue. Uh-huh. And they uh, when they're coming into the restaurant, uh, they kind of like digitally superimposed a Pizza Hut logo over the big lit sign on the outside, <laughs> oh. but nothing to the signs on the doors because that would have been too difficult. I think. Yeah. yeah. So they they got a. They, I guess it's more a combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell or something. Yeah, they have those. I've seen them. Yeah. You know, so it's it's wholly possible. I mean, they're all owned by Pepsi, which is why it's kind of weird that like Taco Bell would win because like well, and all the Pepsi products. Plus, I don't believe it's even feasible to live in a world where uh, Pepsi wins anything, <laughs> quite frankly. All right. Long even a blind it. taste test? Even a blind taste test. I can what about Crystal it. Pepsi? <laughs> Crystal Pepsi. They need to bring that back just to remind everybody once again what a bad idea it was. <laughs> that and New Coke, I think. <laughs> That's... Well, I think Crystal Pepsi is more in the timeline of when this movie came out. So. That's true. Oh, that was. It was right about Crystal Pepsi time right there. Maybe that's why everything else died. Pepsi had to start shuttering their other <laughs> divisions. Yeah. In, in this in this alternate timeline, Crystal Pepsi was a, a huge, <laughs> huge loss that they really invested in. It, it's but not somehow, like in the, yeah. somehow really bad, like, not quite Mexican food was able to hold on. <laughs> well... I, you know, to be perfectly fair, uh, I kind of like those grilled stuffed burritos. So I could see. I mean, it's post-apocalypse. You want you want a burrito. So <laughs> all right. So we got we got to go back to Sandra Bullock because yeah. I feel really bad. Like in a, in a movie in and what is, I gotta I gotta call Amy Poehler's people and see if I can get this line permanently affixed to Hero Talk because I say this almost every single one of these. But the female part was a little underwritten. <laughs> Every single one of these. And I guess it probably says something about cinema, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's... it's. I'm not I'm not trying to be that guy that isn't, like, some social commentary where I'm, like, reviewing these movies, but I'm really trying to bite into the root of cinema. But I gotta call a spade a spade as well. And the female part was a little underwritten. Um, and I love Sandra Bullock. I'm, I... I've I w- I've gone to see like rom-coms that she was in just because I like her acting. I think she's funny and I think she's charming. And she was both funny and charming in this movie, but I just kind of feel like she spent the whole time playing foil to Sly Stallone. And I kind of w- now I don't think that she needed to be like judo kicking everybody, although a nice little shout out to Jackie Chan. But yeah. 
uh, I just I just kind of wish she had more to do. True. I I, I seem to recall uh, reading at one point that there was that small uh, point where uh, Stallone was was asking about like oh. ah, I wonder if my daughter's out there or what she would think of me. And I I think there was uh, uh, one line of thinking at one point that uh, Sandra Bullock would actually have been his daughter, and that got abandoned for being really weird. Yeah. Well, especially if they didn't mod the rest of the script. Oh yes, you would have to do that heavily. <laughs> but. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of got a little bit of that vibe from it the the first time I saw this movie. But you know, knowing what I know now, obviously I didn't really pick it up. But you can almost kind of see the hooks of it in there mm-hmm. in in some of the scenes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, you know what? I didn't bring this up. Um, Bullock actually, they had started filming, and Lori Petty was playing Huxley in, until Bullock replaced her. Huh. Yeah. Now, Lori Petty, I guess, uh, Tank Girl is what immediately comes to mind. But she's also, she got introduced in, uh, I say she got introduced in the last season of Orange is the New Black, but she became yeah. a regular on this season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love her in Orange is the New Black, by the way. <laughs> I, I just, I think she's phenomenal in that show. I'd like to see Sandra Bullock in Orange is the New Black, although that'd really be slumming it for Sandra Bullock right now. Either that or getting in on the bleeding edge of, uh, new media. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, Bullock. She's got. I mean, she's an Oscar winner. I think multi-time nominated. So she's. This is beneath her. She was. And Michael Caine did Jaws four. So. Yeah, uh, that's true. It but, it it. You know, if you can make the business deal make sense. I suppose. I feel bad we're not listing all the stuff Sandra Bullock's been in, but we'd be here for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? No like, need. No no real need for that. Yeah. Just just watch any movie. Just turn on your TV and put on a movie. You got a good fifty fifty shot Sandra Bullock's in it. <laughs> Um, I do want to give a, at least a, a brief, a, uh, what do I want to say, a brief shout out to Benjamin Bratt, because I think he also did another movie with Sandra Bullock. Uh, he was in Miss Congeniality, if I remember that correctly, with Sandra mm. Bullock. So, so there you go. That's, I managed to somehow manage to sneak in the, uh, Sneak in my 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 shout out to a former Sandra Bullock movie. He also he's gonna voice Superman, I believe, in uh in the new video from DC, the Justice League: Gods and Monsters. Hmm. I, yeah, I've been looking forward to that one. Yeah, uh, I've watched a couple of the lead-ins to that, but I'm still I'm not a hundred percent on on board with what they're doing. But uh, I mean, we'll see. I'll watch it because I watch all of them. So, <laughs> which is horrible. That's not a good practice to do as a consumer. Like. Well, I'll buy it, even if it's crap. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. I, I would consider that just a statement against you know, the comics these days. So, uh, I loved him in Law & Order. I don't know if you ever saw him in his run in Law & Order. Oh, I you know, I never put that together, yeah. but I think I've seen at least a few. Yeah. I, I love him in Law and Order. Law and Order used to be such a good place for like these actors that really like kind of cut their teeth and actually like get a gritty role. Yeah. Uh, until they until they canceled that show because why would you want this ridiculously popular show continuing on? They they even made jokes about that on Thirty Rock. I re- I remember that because I agreed <laughs> with them wholeheartedly. Wait, we 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 canceled Law and Order. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, why would we do that? It was a tentpole. A tentpole. <laughs> Yeah. 
All right. Um, one more guy just before we move on because I I'd love to give shout outs to everybody because there's a lot of people here that I really like and I, and I can't and I apologize because I'm assuming they're listening. Uh, we got Bob Gutton, who everybody knows as the warden from Shawshank. He was also just in the Daredevil uh, hmm. miniseries, and he played the Owl, hmm. or Leland Owsley. I don't think they ever called him the Owl. Yeah, and, did, did, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go uh, ahead. Yeah, uh, didn't uh, This came out before Shawshank, too, didn't it? Yes, this was in 93. Yeah. Shawshank came out in 94. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wondered if him... I, I look over his stuff, and this seems to be, you know, his you know, character role is yeah. this like weird, hard headed jerk. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I'm just kind of wondering if the role in uh, Demolition Man helped get him the role in Shawshank Redemption, because, uh, you know, he's a, he's clearly a character actor. This is what he does. Yep. But uh, just it's much of the mannerisms and act- affectations just felt so much the same. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know when they filmed one versus the other, so he probably was already filming Shawshank before this came out, and Shawshank is where he made his name. Everyone will, oh, yeah. everyone sees him as the the warden from Shawshank now, but it's, I, I, I like him too, so I felt like we re, we needed to at least call him out. As, oh yeah, as being absolutely. And then one more real quick shout out is Jack Black actually headed a cameo in this movie as one of the wastelanders down under in the underground. Uh, you know what? If you're gonna call out Jack Black, I gotta say Jesse Ventura was also. Also one of uh, Wesley Snipes' goons. He sure was. You're right. So yeah. it's it's weird because his name is fairly prominently featured in the opening credits. I know, and he's just and I kind remember, of like you I really re- have to look to find him though. I remember seeing that, and I remember thinking like, "Geez, I don't really remember him in this all that much." Yeah, you and see looking- his name, and your brain starts to pick up like. Yeah. Well, was, was he like one of the jail guards, like in that Batman movie? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're trying to, you go back through the movie in your head from all the previous things, like, where was he? <laughs> yeah, so I didn't really, alright, so that's enough of the cast, let's talk. I mean, the story is now, I don't know if you ever heard, apparently, like, uh, the, this movie was accused of stealing much of his story from a, uh, from a Hungarian writer who wrote a, a book called Fight of the Dead. It was published in in 86. Now, the writer claims that uh, a committee can prove that 75% of the film is identical to the book. And, I mean, the premise sounds pretty similar. It's it's a terrorist and a counterterrorism soldier become cryogenically frozen and awake uh, in a post-apocalyptic utopian-like society where violence is almost purged. Like that does on the surface sound like Demolition Man, yeah. Little True, a little bit, but um, but I, I don't know. Like, like I said, this is also such an encapsulation of the '90s <laughs> because it, it 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 doesn't end there because you know the uh, the flip side of fear of urban violence was like the fear of political correctness like overreaching things and taking things over and turning things into what San Angeles looks like where people don't have, you know, the freedom to be jerks. They don't have the freedom to speak for fear of offending people and all of that. So it, it, to me, you know, it, it speaks so, so heavily of where the country was at at that time. Uh It, you know, and that might even just be coincidental, but I, I would have to, I, I would just have to look at it as so much of a product of its time right. as to, to make it distinct from, from what, what might have inspired it. I mean, you know, there, I'm sure there's other examples of that very broad description that you can come up with. Uh, 
yeah. I mean, we we've joked a couple times that e- equilibrium has yeah. something similar with the with the post apocalyptic utopian society. It just didn't have someone from before waking up. Right. It's it's happened so much. We've joked that this movie is so similar to Judge Dredd. It's like a prequel, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, so all right, you want to claim it's seventy five percent accurate to what whatever? I, and it might be. Who knows? Uh, you know, the, one of the guys he also claims that basically like. Uh, there is somebody after like the fall of the Iron Curtain took a bunch of these books that like these Eastern Europeans had published and sold them to Hollywood basically. But like, hmm. you know, it just kind of used them as movie pitches because it was stuff that wouldn't have been released in the United States. So nobody would have ever heard of before. But huh. I don't necessarily think that that the alone idea of cryogenically frozen coming out in the, the new future, because that's like you said, it's just the uh, the era of the day. Um, now, one of the things I was kind of thinking of as I was seeing this is that. What would happen if, like, almost today, like, if you were to say, like, somebody made this movie today and, like, all right, so if you were to take all the things that we fear and you were to try to create this new dystopian, quote, I don't even know how to describe, how do you describe a dystopian utopia? Is that, is that a thing? Did I just create a phrase there? I, I, I actually think there is a word for that, but I can't remember what it is, so, so we'll just call it a dystopian utopia. Yeah, and so, like, what would it be like in, in our world? And, like, it's got to be relatively similar, you know? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, like, oh, well, salt's bad for you, so it's illegal. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could totally see that. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact that it's kind of necessary for living. Yeah, I mean, it's all kinds of stuff like that, where they're like, well, this is bad for you, therefore it's illegal. Now, I don't think we'd be as, as to in today's view of, of the dystopian utopia, I don't think we would have considered swearing as bad. Yeah, I, I, I think there 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 is, there would be more to be made out of the, um, it is bad for you, therefore it is illegal, um, but you would have to take a more nuanced approach to, to fleshing that concept out. You can't just take a blanket, you know... Oh, uh, uh, trans fats are bad for you, so they're illegal. It it, it would have to be mm-hmm. um, something that would I don't know. I mean, a lot of uh, societal awareness has kind of gotten past the fear of oh my god, you're these people are blind. Why are you calling them visually challenged? And and you know we don't have parodies of people saying it's like I'm not tall. I'm vertically enhanced. You know we, that kind of very simple approach were passed. So we I I think there's plenty of room. For having something very similar to that for today's audience, it, but it it wouldn't just be such a simple uh, construction. Yeah, and you would be bound to offend half the people who went to see the movie. Oh, you have to. Yeah, I mean, because like this is so ridiculous that you can almost be like, "Yep." What I like about it is they took the worst of both sides of the political spectrum, <laughs> and that's what became the norm. <laughs> It really was. It was like the worst of both worlds, and so like the whole time, like everyone's going like, "Oh yeah, those those Republicans, that's what they're gonna want," and the other side is going like, "Oh, this is what happens if the Democrats come into office?" Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, but it, I I kind of like some of the things. Like I I really like some of the oddities in terms of the future. We've mentioned the Taco Bell thing, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> The three seashells cracks me up every time. I love it. <laughs> They're just laughing because he can't figure out the three seashells, and he's just like, "It's how how would I know what that meant?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see how that would be yeah. confusing for someone who didn't know. Yeah, so it was just kind of funny how they're laughing at him. He's just looking at him like this is this is dumb. Like there's there's no way this could possibly be as easy as you think it is. Uh, I, I, I've actually heard one description of that that makes sense. Is that they're not uh, like items that you pick up. They're actually buttons that are controls for something that's like a bidet. 
I think Stallone at one point said there was a concept to like picking up and using those items. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's Stallone, so let's let's just remember some of the things he said. Look, I like the guy. You're not personally; I've never met him. Uh, I'd love to meet he, him. He's he's done good work. He's done good work. Uh, he's also done bad work. Yeah, but he's also done bad work, and sometimes you'll he's made he's made Rocky Five and Rocky Balboa. <laughs> I loved Rocky and Balboa. That was good. I really did. I'm sorry. He, I know that's off topic. Made, I just love that movie. He's made Rambo. He, he made First Blood mm-hmm. and Rambo 3. Yep. He made the first Rocky movie and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Yes. He made Demolition Man and Judge Dredd. Yeah. So... <laughs> I mean, the the man likes to work. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick him pick him for that. Yeah. Oddly enough, I haven't seen the Expendables. Neither have I. It feels like something that I should do eventually down the line, but it's like I kind of feel like that's all gimmick. It, yeah, it it's I haven't watched them either, but everything I've seen and heard makes everything feel very perfunctory. Yeah, there's your five dollar word, kids. <laughs> I hope I used it correctly. Yeah, don't send emails if we, he didn't use it correctly because I don't care. All right. You know, the, the, another thing, and I want I want to bring this up because they they say this all the time. They call him a Neanderthal and a caveman and stuff. And, like, and one he was, time he got called meat eater. Yeah, he was only frozen for like forty years. <laughs> <laughs> you understand this? He'd be going to like somebody who was like less evolved. Yeah, it's 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 despite just, the fact that he's talking to people who were contemporaries. Yeah, I mean it's. It, it's like somebody from the seventies getting frozen and coming back. Like, oh, this Neanderthal with his bell bottoms <laughs> and his disco. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like that episode of South Park when they got a guy from the the nineties mm-hmm. who unthawed and and he was like being treated as some archaeological exhibit because he was listening to Ace of Base. <laughs> no one could talk to him except for the kids. Yeah, despite the fact he was just talking mm-hmm. perfect English. You know, and I just I, so I I didn't really get that that no I, I gr- granted apparently a lot of stuff happened in those forty years including oh yeah the uh, the big earthquake of two thousand ten which didn't actually happen well I mean th- for full fairness um one theory that I saw was similar to the impact that uh, the internet has had I mean you know there was a time when there was no internet and you can kind of piece together how you did things without the internet but. It's really difficult to visualize your life now without having the sum of all human knowledge and experience at your fingertips at any moment's notice. Yes, that's that's true. So you can you can kind of understand how these people after, you know, 20 years of this more or less being in place have to one extent or another adapted to it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm going back to to the 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 cryo freezing. I I have no I, I I don't think I have any real obligation to discuss the story on this. So I'm just going to talk about <laughs> the things that bothered me about it. You cryogenically freeze somebody, and then you you rehabilitate them while they're frozen, and then there's like the whole process of paroling. And it's like, well, if the person's frozen, and to them it's essentially a nap, more yeah, or less, or at least supposed to be. Yeah, like so. What's what's the yeah, difference the, between the, forty years? Yeah, and now granted, the parole the parole process seems really strange. Did their program? Did their rehabilitation program finish? Yes. Okay, they're released. Did it not finish? No. Yeah. Why did we bring them out in the first place then? Yeah. It's like, I sentenced you to 80 years in cryo-freeze. Like, oh, or, because, now granted, it, it wasn't like that. And they say it later, that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a, a nap and, and it just, you're in, like in the time machine that you yeah. actually, you know, can know what's going on around you. But, you know, the the idea around it was like, okay, we sentenced you to 80 years. What's the difference between 80 years and 10 years? If I'm just going to walk out with the same reprogramming that I'm going to have regardless... 
Like the the only way that really makes sense is I, I can think of two ways. One, your reconditioning is going to have to be so extensive that it'll take this much time. However, they were not constantly reconditioning everybody because it was clear that uh, you know um, the, some of the people that Phoenix was break, trying to break out at the end had not had any reconditioning done. Yeah. Well, they were what? they were quote unquote multi lifers, I think. And so I would imagine if you're there for multi-life sentences, they're just not going to let you out, so you're just frozen. Which, at that point, you got to think, like, well, then why are we freezing them? Just, why don't you just let them sit somewhere, then? Well, I, I, I would... I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh. And and the, um, the other option that I can think of is they just want to get you out of society for a certain amount of time. <laughs> you're our kid's problem now. That's what they're saying. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That That's definitely a 90s thing to do. Yep. <laughs> I want to say I saw another movie that did something like this where they just basically were the main character had the same issue with the cryo freezing prisons because that's cryo freezing prisons aren't necessarily something that is exclusive to Eastern Hungarian literature. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was the same in the, the main character, the same complaint like, oh, great. So we get to send him. He comes out, gets a nice 80 year nap, comes out into a brand new world, hasn't aged a day, refreshed. And brand new technology to exploit, you know, like, it, it, yeah. So, but anyway, so I think, I think that was kind of silly. And then at the end, that whole area blows up. And the thing I'm thinking of is, all right, so, yeah, that's Everyone's cute for all, like, man. the bad guys that died. But, like, what about the guy who was just kind of, like... Swearing too much. Yeah, swearing too much. Or maybe he littered and he ended up with, like, five years. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh... Well, I mean, that one was Simon Phoenix's fault, really, so... Yeah. It wasn't me this time, I swear. <laughs> Nobody seemed to care a whole lot, though. They were all like, oh, you blew no. it up, but you got they results. They really didn't care. Yeah. Eh, they were in solid ice. Maybe they, you know, it absorbed the blast. I, I don't know. And, man, what well, that explosion at the end was really wimpy compared to the one at the beginning. Yes, I know. I, I know. I really felt like they, they used it all up at the beginning of it. Yeah. It, I mean, there was a lot of fun parallels, like, mm -hmm. you know, is it cold in here or is it just me? Uh, uh, you know, the the other people around are cold as Hagen does yeah. um, uh, running away from the explosion or uh, Simon Phoenix saying, you know, if it wasn't attached, I'd lose my head. I'll remember that. And then he kicks his head off yeah. in the, at the ending. Um, but yeah, that explosion, it, it basically took out the room as opposed to the one at the beginning that took out a, I don't know, massive warehouse or factory complex. It, yeah, or it seemed to take out the whole was. building. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It did take out the whole building. Yeah. It was a good, good model shot. It, it was a good model shot. This, the nineties were great for model shots. I would say it was the golden it was before, age. It was before, it was before CG started making people think practical effects were not a good idea. I know Pr practical effects will always beat CG, always ten times out of ten when they're done well. Yes, that's true. But the problem with the CG is that CG will date itself. You know, also may true. Maybe ten years from now, it still will look okay. But twenty years from now, people are going to look and be like, "Oh, that's what the Hulk looked like." You know? Yeah. People are right now at the point where they're looking back at Spider-Man 1 going like, oh, that's how Spider-Man looked? So, that's where we're at. So, that's the problem. CG will date you, but practical effects? You know, even some like Roger Rabbit, those effects still hold up today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're they're really good. There are still times, or a couple of scenes where I look and I think to myself, like, well, obviously there was a cartoon rabbit he was interacting <laughs> with. There's no other way to film that. <laughs> 
All right. Yeah. So, Off Roger Rabbit, great movie, a classic hero talk. One of my, I think one of my first episodes. Might have been my first. I don't remember. It's it's up there. It's mm. you know close to close to the beginning. But before I even had the new format, and I had to like re-record intros for everything. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I I think I I have so many scenes that I really liked in this, and I'm I'm not spoiling my favorite scene, but. I, I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention in the main podcast the Rat Burger. <laughs> uh, I love the Rat Burger scene. I really do. I like the whole interaction. Then he pays and he gets the burger. Like, I like the idea that he gets down there and the first thing he thinks is like, I smell barbecue. And that's what he just <laughs> wants. He just wants real food. And once he finds out it's a rat, and I like how he's processing it in his head and he's still taking bites of the burger. <laughs> like, it's not stopping him. Like, so this is a rat burger I'm eating right now. And then he takes a bite. And he's like, yes. He's like, that's not bad. <laughs> I, yeah, it, 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 it's actually kind of screwed up to think that someone who's used to eating meat, okay, we're just going to stick them in this world yeah. where they're not allowed to eat meat. And, you know, it actually takes your body a while to acclimate to that kind of dietary shift. It sure does, man. I tell you, I tried so to the, go vegetarian once, and after about four days, I thought, like, you know what? Not for me. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, there's after, you know, a day or two of not getting the kind of protein his body wants, mm-hmm. yeah, you get a smell of, of meat, and you're going to be like, I, 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 want, I want that. I want that in my mouth right now. Yeah. And so he learns that it's not cow he learns that it's rat and he's like well that wasn't what i wanted to hear but this is what i want to eat so and you notice in the next scene he's still eating that thing (laughs) he's still eating the burger he didn't stop yeah it's just kind of unpleasant news but you know he doesn't really care yeah and it and it by definition is the best burger that he's had in years because he's been asleep 40 years yeah i almost thought he was gonna like throw it down and i don't know why because i've seen this movie a hundred times so i knew it wasn't but it's like, oh, does he throw it away? And then you see him in the next scene, like, oh no, he's finishing it. He's he's gonna eat that thing and drink his beer. I totally see where he's coming from. Hey, it, it the first bite tasted just fine, apparently. So yeah, I, I imagine you cook it right, it doesn't really matter, yeah. right? I mean, I, yeah. it probably you know tastes a little bit different. Hopefully, they were able to debone it properly. I imagine they would be. She looked like a professional. She knew what she was doing. <laughs> Hey, they got bottled beer. They must have some industry. Yeah, I, there's probably still all these kind of like I don't know. Is the the early two thousands kick of brewing your own beer? They probably missed that. <laughs> it's a big old microbrewery. But then again, if the big earthquake wasn't until like two thousand ten, then that then that whole gimmick thing happened. So they probably just went into anybody's garage and saw a little microbrewery right in there where you can make your own beer with bottles, cases of empty bottles, just. <laughs> Just don't smash the bottle. We got to use it again. Yeah. Oh, I don't. You ever know somebody who brews their own beer? Have you ever met someone I, who did it? I have. I, I I know people who have brewed their own beer. I have never really talked to them about it yeah. because I don't drink beer is, or uh, anything for that matter. Yeah. So it, it, I couldn't really comment on it. Uh, you say anything? I've seen you drink mead. Fair enough. I <laughs> I will. I will partake of. It, it, it's not like a a. I never want to touch it thing. I just you know choose not to to drink yeah. alcohol. So it's it's rarely a thing for me. Yeah. So uh, I've I've known a couple of friends who brew their own beer, and I I apologize. It's like if somebody's listening right now, and they're all into making their own beer. Hey, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, but people who brew their own beer are some of the most pretentious people I have ever had to had to talk to. Because man, they. And I'm not just talking like the person who just kind of brews it and is just doing it for giggles and like makes a six pack and just thinks it's funny. I'm talking about the guy who was all like, you, you know, like it's a it's a BYOB party and he brings his own beer that he brewed and he's like, this is my brewed beer. I'm like, oh, awesome. 
I'm going to have a beer from the people who do this for a living, if you don't <laughs> mind. Uh, I'll, I like my beer from a little brewery, too. It's called Samuel Adams. <laughs> <laughs> they have big vats and people who know what they're doing and, you know, wasn't... They put a lot of thought <laughs> into this. <laughs> it's It's been taste tested and people have added stuff to it and there's experts and I'm sure somebody went to college for some of that and you're in your garage, but thanks... Thank you for the beer that you made in your garage with the store-bought bag of hops. I appreciate <laughs> that. So, so anyways, but that's that's why there's beer that's perfectly bottled down in the underground because man, that was everywhere in the early 2000s and these guys just had to <laughs> grab one of those sets and start brewing. That was a hell of a tangent. <laughs> it really was. It really was. Uh, that had very little to do with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we took about six seconds of the movie and turned into a five-minute five conversation about why you, you prefer Samuel Adams. It's true. It's true, though. <laughs> I do prefer Samuel Adams. Although I don't drink a lot of beer these days, I've kind of moved on to the harder liquors. Not that I drink a whole lot. I mean, I, I know I drink more than you do, almost by definition. I have to, <laughs> but it's and not like I'm, it's it's difficult to yeah. drink less than me. Yeah, but it's not, not like impossible I, I drink as an we've awful lot or an awful often. But anyway, oh, we're we talking about again some movie. I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the the Judge Dredd prequel here. Yeah, that's right. So Simon Phoenix, uh, I I think probably one of my favorite Simon Phoenix scenes is the one where he's like he's at the computer, like he just got to that <laughs> terminal right after he was caught, and like the police are approaching him, and he's like, or else he's like, what are you talking about? Or else. There's actually a lot of good stuff in that scene. Stuff yeah. like uh, uh, when he first shows up and and he curses at the machine a couple times, gets fined a couple times, and it says. I have notified the police department. Yeah, right. And you hear the signs come. Mm, they're fast. Yeah, there was a lot. There was also that the idea that they thought that because they found him, that they're like, oh, problem solved. Yeah. And and then <laughs> the guy has no idea how to approach him, so he's like, he's looking at the little. Maniac replied with a scornful remark. Yeah. <laughs> and what? Why did they have that reverse grip on those freaking panel things? I don't that that bothered know. me. That. Like, there's no way in the future we figured out that was better. Not a chance. It like, seems unergonomic. Yeah, ergonomics doesn't change just because there's a giant earthquake that levels the city. <laughs> that stays everybody. the same. It broke the left radius and ulna of everybody. Yeah. Everyone got the exact same fracture at the exact same time. Yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous. Um, I also, I, the thing in this, this scene is where it really hit home for me, is the idea that, like, we're in the future. We have tremendous technology above and beyond, and our user interfaces are still hideous looking. <laughs> <laughs> like, you tell, it's a stick figure. The stick figure cops ordering the stick figure maniac. You're like, oh, come on. This is the future. Is this what really people in the '90s thought computers were going to be like in the future? No, I think I think more they thought it was going to look like those interfaces they had in the police department with like really fancy, you know, images that that fly by as you're navigating the file structure, kind of like in uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, you got you got to love. That. That's so dumb. Nobody would make an interface that does that. That's such a giant pain to have to navigate through. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's it's oh, yeah. irritating. To be fair to the movie, really good user interface design is actually really hard to do. <laughs> so yeah. just coming up with something new in the future to make it look better, it, not easy. They, they just threw something together. Yeah. You, you got to think, like, can't you just find, like, a software company? And I don't know how much this would cost, uh, but find a software company, like, some small company. It doesn't have to be big. And be like, all right, here's $10,000. 
Design software that would be used in a prison to track cryogenically frozen prisoners. You know what that would happen if you did that, though? What? It, it, it wouldn't have a GUI. It would be all text. Oh, probably. And you know what would cost less than that? Take a graphic designer and say, here's 2500 bucks." <laughs> yeah. And that's what we got. Unfor- unfortunately, yeah, that's what happens. Is And also, and I... I can't peg this movie for it because every movie does this, but I get really irritated at the people who are typing, typing away at the keyboard, and it's very clearly a cursor that's moving and clicking on things. <laughs> like, what are you actually typing there? Up, 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 left, 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 up, left, up, left, left, click? <laughs> Is that what you're typing? <laughs> so furious. Yes, they're writing it out. Yeah. Every pixel you have to type in, up, enter, up, enter, up, enter. Yeah. Like, you, you've never you've never used a computer before, have you? Now, I, I get it because... If you're trying to show something dramatic, showing a guy sitting there on a mouse clicking away is not dramatic because it looks exactly the same whether he's doing something that's that needs a lot of like interfaced interactions or if he's playing solitaire. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just going to be someone kind of like cradling their chin, mm. holding the mouse and going click 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 click. What what are they doing? Reading about sports yeah. or trying to prevent a nuclear war? He is updating his fantasy lineup. <laughs> Or he's preventing the launch. I can't tell. <laughs> Whatever it is, he's concentrating. Yeah. That's all you know. He's deeply in thought about the, the clicks he's making. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's. I, I want to just touch on Doctor Cocteau's character. I, is that my saying that right? Because I feel Cocteau? like Cocteau. Yeah. Yeah. Cocteau. Um, I don't get his plan. You know what I mean? Like, so you want friendly dead? Is he really doing you any real damage? Well, uh, I, I... <laughs> yeah, Edgar Friendly doesn't exactly do a whole lot, and they hit some you know, food it... trucks. Really, I mean, almost feels like you just drop a bunch of food at a grate somewhere and be like, "There, <laughs> now he'll stay down there, and they'll leave us alone, and they'll stop trying to." Use their automatic spray paint machine. <laughs> the funny thing is, I think that spray paint machine and the, the noisemaker thing was just to distract people from the periscope that they used to scope out the food truck, which apparently they already knew the schedule for, so they didn't need that anyway. Yeah. yeah it's like, Weird. It'll be there in 12 hours. Uh, no. <laughs> like, then what, what did you need the periscope for? Just wanted to show people what food trucks look like? <laughs> yeah, but um, the... Uh, uh, Cocteau's plan seemed also really unnecessary because he already remade the world. Or at um, least their, their little corner of the world that nobody ever leaves. Yeah. Uh, he, he's got his own steady state that runs how he wants it. Mm-hmm. And he's apparently so upset that there's someone who doesn't want to be involved in this that he wants to kill them. And his plan, the best plan he can come <laughs> up with, is to take the most dangerous criminal, make them even more dangerous... And program them to kill this guy and to not kill him. And that's about all the thought that went into it. And this could be because either, I don't know, I, like, th- there was, like, right at the beginning of the, of the movie, there was when Sandra Bullock was calling, uh, uh, Warden William Smithers, who, by the way, got promoted once in 36 years from assistant warden mm-hmm. to warden. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, but I mean, that might be a side effect of all the social reconditioning because he yeah. had all of his ambition taken away. But yeah. anyway, um, Sandra Bullock asked him, like, something, 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 don't you think? And his reply was, well, I try not to, but you're young. Think all you like. Apparently, like, nobody thinks for themselves, really, in this yeah. world. 
And yeah, I guess may- maybe it's just since nobody's been around to double cross anybody for such a long time, you-, you don't always have all your bases covered. So it just seems like yeah, I'll he- just tell Simon Phoenix to kill him, and he will. Yeah, uh, same sort of thing. When when they uh, thought out uh, uh, John Spartan, uh, Cocteau's uh, reaction was, "This is unexpected, creative, but quite all right." Like yeah. like unexpected and creative are bad things. Yeah. Um. So you know. Yeah. Well, he maybe... clearly he clearly had no idea they were going to do anything like this. You know. Right. Which and it just kind of makes me think that I mean, if you're going to look at it this and try to make everything make sense, because really it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But um, he bought into his own hype too much. He thought that he, you know, he took over this corner of the world and thought that everything was more or less in control, and that he would be able to therefore control Simon Phoenix. Which you know didn't work. Yeah, and, and just just he just wanted to get rid of Edgar Friendly and apparently do more social engineering in San Angeles. Would I, I? I don't know what else he wanted to do. Maybe he found some of those commercial jingles a little too racy or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I love when they went into Taco Bell and the guy is singing the Jolly Green the Jolly Green Giant <laughs> oh, song. And that 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 guy singing the Jolly Green Giant was actually one of the guys. Uh, the guy who got paroled before um, uh, uh, Wesley Snipes came up for parole. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't pick up on that. I only picked up on it because of TV tropes, because those people will notice anything. That's true. Those people will do. And I, I sometimes just pick a trope and just read all the times it's come up. I love TV tropes. TV tropes, people. You want to come on a Hero Talk? <laughs> send me an email. That's HeroTalk at Enthusiacs.com. They're not going to send me an email. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. No, it's I. It was it was a horrible plan. It just yeah. This only happens in the '90s where people try to like bring super deadly prisoners out of prison and think you can control them, and they always figure out a way. In this case, Homeboy didn't even think to himself that when he wants all these other dangerous criminals thought, <laughs> which is it should have been the dead giveaway right there. Like, hey, maybe for these other deadly criminals. Maybe I put the same programming in them that they don't kill me. Like, yeah. Well, but, really but Simon like Phoenix no-brainer. was only going to be the only mad dog killer type, right? Oh, so. yeah, that's right. These guys were just going to be... What? Who did he think he was letting out of, of the, the multi-lifers? You know, I need a couple of jaywalkers. Well, I, I, I think the multi-lifers at the end were just on top of it. He was grabbing more easily controlled people at first um, just mm-hmm. to, to be his own personal mooks. Yeah, um, I guess at the end I, it was when he was trying to make the clones of himself in order... No, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the wrong movie. That's the other movie where there was a big giant fight in the giant facility where they were trying to stop all the things from coming to life. Yeah, with Judge Phoenix, right? Yeah, with... uh, Yeah, Judge Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, you, you see why I don't necessarily buy the Eastern Hungarian guy's story about how it's a copy of mine. I'm like, buddy, you know how many and things this is a copy explodes. of? the explodes... Yeah, homeboy. This is this is a copy of many things, and in the industry, that's called research. <laughs> yes, yes. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, and this was imitating and, a lot of stuff, and, and a and lot of homage yeah. is plagiarism while you're in the room. Yes. Yep. All right. So I, I think maybe one more thing, one more scene we really need to at least pay some lip service to before we move on is I'm going to call it, for lack of a better word, the sex scene. Uh. I say for lack of a better word because no actual intercourse or actual physical touching occurred in the scene. But man, the future got creepy. Man. Yes. <laughs> Those crazy headset dealies where it's 
I, I don't. And I, I kind of got the impression that like Stallone was like until he closed his eyes, like there wasn't even a part of what was going <laughs> on. You know, <laughs> you actually have to close your eyes to get any of this feedback. Yeah, because there's definitely the moment he's like, um, what's she doing? And she seems <laughs> like she's already started. And he's like, uh, okay. And then he closes his eyes, and and I, you know, you get those those uh, freaking epileptic flashes yeah like is that is that really what this and plus how creepy is it and man talk about a joke that goes over your head at the time and then you see it a couple times and then you notice she hands him a towel i'm like (laughs) oh oh, no that's awful (laughs) no no you're telling me we couldn't fix that in the future too I think I was willfully not recognizing that portion of the scene because I remember specifically noticing that there was a towel and then my brain just said, nope, I'm not going to think about this. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I don't I don't want to have that visual. Yeah. Oh, what a creep-tastic. Ugh. All right. Uh, so. I, you know, I, I, I would like to point out, I, I got a very Barbarella vibe off of that because there was a bit in there. Uh, yeah, I remember. In that Barbarella. movie where they had that sort of thing going on yeah see i saw this long before i saw barbarella so when i saw barbarella i got a big demolition man because <laughs> i only saw barbarella like a couple years ago and i've <laughs> seen i saw this movie from the 90s on out so but but yeah no i, I get what you're saying do you think we should do a hero talking barbarella you know uh, no no we should not no that was a bad idea once i spoke it out loud i got it. <laughs> oh you don't want to be talking about those wonderful space travel effects that are, uh, God, those 60s psychedelic visuals thing. Oh, God. And a spaceship lined with shag carpet. Yeah. Holy cow. These Neanderthal meat eaters from the 60s. <laughs> These cavemen with their old special effects. Because 40 years is... A, all right, whatever. Anyway, uh, now is a good time as any to talk about what our favorite scene of the movie was. And so, Nick, what was? What do you think was your favorite part of Demolition Man? Uh, oh, damn it. I. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Um... I would actually have to go with very similar to the uh, um, Judge Dredd. It takes me a while to remember the name because like they're so similar. Uh, the Judge Dredd scene that I liked where it's like, oh, you're still alive. It's just a weird little line, but it's the thing that sticks in my head the most, and it always puts a smile on my face. And it's when they're fighting outside the Taco Bell, mm-hmm. and uh, Stallone saying, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life, both seconds of it. I thought it was a little funny that he didn't actually kill him after that. <laughs> yeah. Like, now you're just a liar. <laughs> I just like that line. Yeah, it's a funny line. I, let me tell you, I was racking my brain trying to come up with a favorite part of this movie because the thing is, the stuff I hate, I think, is, is terrible. And the stuff I love, I love to death. <laughs> so it's very hard to pick, like, one of the things I love. Like, I was very close to saying my favorite part of the movie is just the concept that Taco Bell's the only restaurant. Because I think that's that's hilarious to me. It's just they're all Taco Bell, so I just love the concept. Um, I was also I was really close to to his reaction when he found out he was going to Taco Bell. It's just a funny <laughs> line. Like, I'm taking you to Taco Bell, and he's like, "Uh, sure, why not? Yeah, I I'll have a burrito. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I like, like a burrito. Do, do they still have chalupas now? Is that still?" <laughs> 
<laughs> How much of the meat is still dog yeah. meat? Is do they still have chalupa as a Taco Bell? As long as we're talking about it, like that was a nineties oh, thing, right? The chalupa. I uh, or, I have no idea. I'm trying to think what all the nineties Taco Bell gimmicks. I know the gorgitas were a nineties gimmick back when the Taco Bell. He still thinks that Taco Bell dog is around. He might still think that Cholito is around. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. So that that was really close, but I think it, it had to go to Dennis Leary's rant underneath, where he's just going off about all the stuff he wants to have the freedom to do. Because <laughs> I just like Dennis Leary, and it's just, it was just fun to hear him say. But yeah. This, this could have been any number of things. It could have been the fact that he wanted to to knit sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, I love the part where he finds the, like the the, the needle point, and he's like, "What's this?" And then he starts watching a movie, like he's watching the security footage, and he's yeah, just subconsciously he, like starts totally pro- absent-minded. Yeah, just is like, well, those just did it while he was thinking about something else. And I I just like that they did that before they explained to you what was going on. So you're like, <laughs> watching, "What's he doing? Is he about to knit something?" He's like, "I knit you a sweater." <laughs> so I, I love that they didn't explain until after we'd seen him do some of those weird things. Because up until that point, we hadn't seen him shown any, you know, tailoring yeah. uh, uh, inclinations. <laughs> yeah, but then it was, I, I really, I just loved that. So I think that'd be my honorable mention. But I gotta love the De- the Dennis Leary rant, man. <laughs> Dennis Leary should just rant in every movie he's in. Even the movies he's not in. He should just show up and rant at some of them. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always uh, uh, the ref or Suicide Kings out there. Yes, there is. Man, Suicide yeah. Kings is a good flick. Yeah. That's a good flick. We ought to do a Hero Talk on that one. That actually would be a good one for Hero Talk. Yeah. I, I also have a, an honorable mention scene. Sure. And this is this is another one that's just a weird little line, and it, it just stuck out to me because of, uh, again, because of Judge Dredd, because it is really weird and creepy how much this movie informs Judge Dredd. Um, but, uh, when, uh, Stallone comes back to his apartment, he goes into the bathroom and he looks down and he sees the three seashells and then he goes, he says, Oh, he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I wonder if that was why Schneider went, I am the law. (laughs) I didn't even think of that, but yeah, it's, it's the same character. It's so it's the two of those actors that are riffing off each other. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which... I don't know. That might be the funniest thing about both of these movies when you put them side by side. Yeah. It's definitely a joke that people wouldn't even understand why it was funny unless you heard the last hero talk. Yeah. I think it was the last Which if you haven't, go back and listen to the last hero talk. It's the the Judge Dredd one. I don't know which one that was. There's been so many of them, but yeah. Uh, I guess now we gotta score this sucker. So, Nick, what, what would you give, Judd? No, sorry. Demolition <laughs> Man. That was honest. That was an honest mistake. I honestly forgot what movie we were talking about. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not even gonna cut that for the stinger. That's staying no. in the podcast. That's staying in the podcast, people. I messed it up. I messed it up. All right, Nick, what would you give Demolition Man? Oh my god. I think I'm. <laughs> I can only find it two credits for violations of the verbal morality code. I think that's perfectly fair. I um I would sentence. Keep in mind that's a fine. That's not a bonus. So it's a backwards thing. I don't take it for whatever. Two credits of all right. So I think for the female part being underwritten and for all the negative stuff from the nineties, I think I would send this movie to forty years in a cryo sleep. But I'm pretty sure I'd thaw it out after five, so it could go do something for me somewhere else. Start singing the Valley of the Jolly Green Giant. Yes, <laughs> that was funny. I have, I have <laughs> never a grin on his face while he was. I have never caught that before this viewing. 
I honestly, I that's never clicked with me what song he was singing. I just zoned <laughs> out, and this time, I'm like, I seen the Jolly Green Giant song. Oh, oh, actually, one other thing I have to point out. Sure. Uh, there, and again, this weird, creepy connection between this and Judge Dredd. But uh, there was a point where Sandra Bullock says, "I knew you'd say that." Did she really? Did I miss yes. that? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was when they were talking. Uh, uh, right after she got to the precinct the first time, and she was talking. Um, uh, I can't remember his name now. Uh, in her office. And, oh and- yeah, with uh, with Ben Brad. I can't remember yeah. the character's name. Garcia. Garcia was yeah. the character. Yeah, it's uh, oh, it's in right. there. Don't you ever want any action? Like, no. She goes, I knew you'd. Say- ah, that's right. She <laughs> does. I missed it. She does say that. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> it's creepy it's really creepy and i guess that just goes to show it's true most sequels are not as good as the first one (laughs) (laughs) all right well that was judge dread 2 search for judge dread (laughs) judge dread um (laughs) all right that was demolition man all right nick thanks for coming on and doing this with me hell yeah man hell yeah (laughs) this is I'm gonna tell you if we if we if I narrowed Hero Talk down and said we're only gonna do films from the '90s, I think I'd have plenty to work with. <laughs> but I don't think they'd be nearly as fun as this one was. <laughs> Man, this movie, this is this is the '90s. Man, you might as well just build a glass case over this movie and say beneath you we have the '90s, yeah, which they did in the movie. <laughs> yes, which they did in the movie. All right. Seriously, man, it's just insane. That's why, like, this movie actually gets better with age, because when you take it out of the context of the 90s when it was made, you're like, oh, my God, this is so 90s. Down to, like, uh, that first fight with Phoenix and and the the cops, Mm -hmm. the the music stings during that were, like, 90s synth, Mm -hmm. and the, the clothes that Phoenix was wearing in 1996, I mean, he looked like he was Owen Hart's tag partner with the checkered and the yellow oh, and stuff yeah. for a really yeah. obscure reference to the new foundation. No one cares. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I saw that. I'm like, man, he looks like like Coco Beware or something. Yeah. So the uh, so the score was actually, as long as we mentioned it, it was Elliot uh, Goldenthal. And I learned this, and I was like, kind of looking up some of the people of note. Uh, he came off of Alien 3, which is everyone's least favorite of the Alien movies. So... It, it, you're just not counting Alien Resurrection? No, no. Why would I? Why would I? <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> I also don't count the versus Predators. Just, just FYI. <laughs> but uh, isn't there a new Alien movie coming out? Didn't I hear they were just going to make like a new Alien movie and they're like, uh, this is going to be the sequel to Aliens and Alien 3 didn't happen, I think is what uh, they're going with. You know, I personally, I consider Alien Isolation to be the sequel to Alien and Aliens didn't happen. But I actually was never all that fond of aliens. Myself. Yeah, I, I I also liked Alien better, and I feel like I'm alone in that. But it's nice it's nice to also be on board with you. Uh, how is Alien Isolation? Uh, I haven't played it a whole ton. I have seen some of it played. Um, it's there, there, it is way more keeping with the tone of the original Alien movie. Uh-huh. It's all about keep away, keep it away, right. and a lot of like. I don't know, a little bit like zombie movies where it's uh, uh, the the real danger is actually from other people, not from the monster. Okay, that sounds good. I think I want to live in a world where alien colonial marines is actually canon. And <laughs> I think that's the world I want. That's not the world I want. No, that's no. terrible. Although, if you really want to play that game, I think you can find it in most dollar stores now. I'm not Probably. even joking. I, I've seen it. It's 
gotta be most of them because people just need to get rid of those boxes. <laughs> Any money is better than no money. <laughs> yeah, while we're while we're sidetracked, uh, another couple things I'd like to bring up is the the weird meta jokes they had in the movie. We're talking about uh, uh, when Snipes was stealing the weapon. He said. Excuse me, Rambo, I gotta take this. Oh, yeah, caught the Rambo, uh, President <laughs> Schwarzenegger. Yep. Before the man even got a career in politics. Yeah. And there's also a whole lot, of, and, and that's why I think this movie actually has a lot more um, heart than Judge Dredd, is that they actually weaved in a lot of other little uh, uh, hints at other things, like the names were references to, like, uh, <clears throat> there's one bit where Phoenix you know, yells out, it's a brave new world, and I think uh, Huxley's, the name Huxley is a reference to the book Brave New World. Yes, yes, it is. As a matter of fact, yep. So yeah, it it I like when there's you know little things like that that shows there was some heart and soul that went into the making of it. Right. It wasn't just let's name this character that and let's not give it anything. It was you know it's nice to have that. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So that was Hero Talk. Hey, if you got a movie you want us to do, just send an email to Hero Talk at Enthusiacs.com, and hey, maybe you can you can even be on the podcast too if I'm feeling generous that day. If you want to get more videos, podcasts, let's plays, or articles, you can check out Enthusiacs.com. Check course, out my articles. <laughs> I'm not gonna forget your plug. This isn't Point Streak. <laughs> All right, so every other Thursday, you can listen to Hero Talk, and of course, on the off Thursdays, the Dark Ages, as I call them, you can listen to Point Streak, and usually every Tuesday or Wednesday, you can catch uh, Behind the Line, which is an article that Nick does for Enthusiacs.com. All right. Yeah, so we got that in there. All right, so Nick, hey, thanks for joining me. No problem, man. And for all of you out there, thanks for joining me, and I will see you right back here once again for the next Hero Talk. Hero Talk.